0: Claire You're gonna be hearing a little bit of background noise throughout the day, but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really good noise. Good background noise. That's yeah, right. this right. is this is the best seat in the house. Right. We Here. got sky riders now. We got sky riders. We got sky riders now. Sky riders they,
1: riders they, now. <laughs> it, does that say UCAP? I can't it's got a runway can. in the front yard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're in sight,
2: Clearland. Turkey, National Ground, good afternoon. Sir, taxi via Fox Shot and Delta.
1: <laughs> I'm writing down the time. That means we're beginning. Um. Oh. So, what's wrong with the Duke? This is what I want to know. The engines. The
0: engine the engine's in the tail yeah. yeah this parody's not bad
1: yeah this is one of those uh this is one of those animated uh, little uh, Lego characters talking um, they almost always curse a lot which is the sort of part of the the uh, yeah, it's shock effect which sick yeah. right yeah so uh, in this particular case they're talking one of the characters Bleep, beep and beep beep, beep, beep yeah exactly and one in this case one of the characters is singing the praises of a, of a owning a beach duke aircraft and the other one is uh, is uh, trying to set him straight on the uh, on the real qualities of the
0: duke so there was one of these on, on iPhone versus droid uh, right months yep. back, too that was that was a hoot
1: yep but uh, so i'm not real familiar with the duke you got to well, describe a duke to me what's a duke
0: a duke is kind of a one off um, from beach it's a piston twin it's what i would call a medium to heavy piston twin Um, It seats, I don't know, six or eight in a cabin configuration. It's got standard low wing and and a cruciform tail. Um, It was designed in the late 50s, early 60s and made a lot out of the technology that was available at the time. Um, But the engines are very high maintenance items. The tails made out of, a lot of the tail anyway, is made out of magnesium. Uh, which is impossible to work on. Uh, it corrodes, um, uh, not unlike aluminum. Uh, it, it's, it's lighter, but it's very expensive to work, and it's very expensive to repair. The mm-hmm. um. punchline in, punch in all of this is a used King Air or Cheyenne or even a 690 Commander would be a better deal economically and performance-wise.
1: Now, now the character in this little animation was was insistent that, in spite of all these shortcomings, the Duke was a cool airplane to it own. It is.
0: It's a very masculine looking airplane. Think, yeah, it is uh, cool looking. Yeah, it, it is very cool. It's got a lot of angle. It's kind of like a cross between a uh, a Learjet um, and. Um, I don't know, maybe a Cirrus or something. It's got you know some some nice design to it on the front, which is is more Learjetish, and the rest of the airplane is kind of uh, as you might imagine a big uh, uh, a Cirrus or something like in that configuration. But very clean lines. Um, it, it's a very masculine, powerful looking airplane, and it is when it's all when it's all when it was new. It was a great airplane. Uh, Forty years on, it's not such a good. Hmm.
3: Well, then it's one of those it it's kind of got a cult status. It's nice that it's a pressurized airplane unlike the parents uh but jeb's right it's it's kind of a lot of airplane uh and it's like talking to guys that we've known over the years that you know they 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 started here they'd moved there now they just had to have a church turbocharged airplane, and they're flying like seventy five hours a year and you're going why uh but hey, that's what you want to spend your money on. Well, uh, the Duke's kind of in that category, and some aftermarket upgrades available for it have reignited some interest in it. Like uh, you can get PT sixes hung on it in place of the original uh, mm-hmm. the original Lycoming engines. PT six being of... a turboprop, right? PT six A is a turboprop, right? Yeah,
0: there are a lot of problems with that, though. Like what? Um, well, the first one is an operational problem. Is is that uh, when you put turbine engines on this type of airplane, you have all. S- so airspeed indicator. And because so I'm turb- sorry, Jeb, you broke up. You have what kind of indicator? You have to, you have to remark the airspeed indicator.
2: Okay. It's
0: my understanding that anytime you put a turbine in this type of airframe, you have to do that. And the new red line becomes the top of the green arc. Oh, okay. Okay. There is no yellow arc.
3: Um, but remember that's indicated and it will it's get in,
0: up it's indicated. it will get up there now. It, it will get up there and and um it will climb very nicely. Uh you almost have to climb it and get it to altitude so that your indicated airspeed is rather low. Uh but that's there, there's no free launch it's the punchline. Yeah. You can't just hang a pair of P T sixes on it and fly it, you know, like you've been flying it.
3: But there's a there's a package that takes care of all that, adds fuel to it. Sure. Repaint. Why bother? That- Go
0: buy a King Air. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's 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 not a bad solution. Uh but if you look at what it costs to overhaul some of those old P T sixes on on King Airs that are in the same price range, yeah. uh, they're not a deal either. Uh, well
0: they're not, but um they're much more reliable. Um and if you get, you know, a good King Air with say a couple of thousand hours left before the engines, you might have to pay for a hot section or something. But yeah, it's a good point. That's about it. That's about it. There's like what three thousand TBO on those engines.
3: Yeah. Uh. Well, the good ones are thirty five hundred now.
0: Yeah, it depends on the on the mod series. Right. right. And the early ones have shorter TBOs. But I mean, you're looking at what's the TBO on a Duke engine? 1,400, These are yeah. these these are these TIO four eighties or something from Lycoming that are geared. Um, TIO five forty one is t- five forty ones. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's a real kind of a bastard child engine, and and it's expensive to get it repaired or overhauled. Yeah,
1: five I'm looking overhaul. at a bunch of pictures of Dukes on the uh, in the yeah, Google, it, Google it, Images, and
0: uh, it looks like a, a mini King Air. It looks like you know someone washed a King Air in in hot uh, water or something. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a handsome, but the, it's got a little bit more you know aggression designed into it. Buy a King Air. Just just get it over with. You know. Uh Okay. (laughs) Why 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 are we even having yeah Why are we even having this conversation?
1: Now there's another um, of these. uh, Have to ask Jack that question. What's oh, That's right. Yeah. There's another one of those uh, of those uh, animated talking heads uh, videos that Jeb called our attention to at the very last minute tonight, and so I get I started to listen to it, but it's 13 minutes long.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lengthy, but it's 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 a pretty it's really a good takedown, I should say.
1: Uh huh. Now, what's the subject?
0: Uh, of next gen in the FAA's attempt to sell next gen, and what they've said about next gen. Um and um, you know, a lot of sarcasm and cynicism thrown in. It's it's quite the piece of work. So who, the two characters,
1: I looked at the first couple minutes. So the two characters are someone doing an interview and FAA,
0: right? right. Um, the guy is the guy's being interviewed by the gal. The gal is sitting behind a laptop, and it's some mock news network, and the woman's trying to interview the FAA guy, and the FAA guy is basically you know, uh, repeating what the FAA has said. Uh, over the last few years on the subject of next gen, and the facts and, the, and the, the way this has all been put together, and it's just if you put it if, when you put it together like this, it's just real hilarious. It really is. It's, it's, so it's all exactly classics.
1: the lines. It's, they, they didn't make anything up. They just parroted. Oh, I'm the sure.
0: I'm sure they 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 scripted. I mean, I'm sure they uh, they didn't quote verbatim, but they're basically you know saying what the FAA has said on these various topics. Uh-huh. With a little, a healthy dose of cynicism and sarcasm. John. <laughs> I'll have to listen to it when I have a few minutes. Yes, it's, it's it is lengthy. So, but it won't take you long to get the flavor.
1: Yeah. So those are our two animations for tonight. Let's see now. Uh, oh, I know. It, it, welcome folks to episode 220 of uncontrolled airspace the general aviation podcast recording this episode on tuesday evening january 11th 2011 it's now 2011 happy new year's it took it, us 11 days to get one in i know we had a little bit of a, of a delay there but uh, we're here now and uh um joining me here in uh, the, our little virtual hangar two of my good friends uh, jeb burnside is out there talking to us from somewhere near sarasota florida hi jeb how you doing tonight
0: I'm fairly well. I uh, just finished a major project and kind of basking in the glow of, of finally being able to get a decent night's sleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So uh, the That's the project's nice. kept you busy. You haven't
0: had a chance to go flying or, or – I haven't had a chance to go flying. I visited the airplane last night. I said hello to it. Uh, took a couple of pictures.
1: Now, is the airplane – the airplane, I think you told us the airplane is outside your new house now, right? It's, it is not. It is, is still in the hangar
0: I used to occupy. Oh, the uh, hangar so you, at the house I used to occupy. Right, so it's down the road. Uh, but it's got to come out within the next week or so. Hmm, okay. Yeah, It's, it's going be there's going to be a little bit of drama before this is over. with. Oh,
1: cool, cool. Well, I may be arriving just in time then, huh?
0: Well, hopefully it'll be over with by then. Um, uh, I'm arriving sooner if, than if, you if, might realize. <laughs> if, if not, you, you can certainly... Uh, um, be my witness
1: yeah well i got video cameras so well you know I do too. Yeah, there we go there we go and also joining it ain't, what's that it ain't, nothing. it ain't nothing yeah and also joining me here in the uh, joining us here in the virtual hangar is dave higdon who's talking to us from wichita kansas hi david how are you doing tonight oh doing pretty good let me kick off the snowshoes okay yeah, I know. You sent us a uh, a very picturesque uh, photo taken, I think, probably what from your front porch or something like that. And, from uh, my front porch, uh, about midway through the
3: the the time when it snowed. Another. You sent it. You,
1: yeah, I didn't see this picture. I thought he sent it to you too. I'm sure he sent
3: it yeah, to I you too. Yeah, I
0: think two. I did. You know- you're all, you're all talking behind my back again. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: well,
3: I sent it to your phone because it was one of those phone photographs. Oh, that's right. You did send it to the phone.
1: Uh, that's right. You did send oh. it to the phone. You're going you to
0: have to pick up and use my phone?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's another misconception that I that I had corrected uh, uh, since we've been doing this podcast, which was that, it's, that it does get to be winter in Kansas. I always figured that's down south, you know, it's nice and warm down there. It's always, but no, <laughs> it's not bad enough. You get tornadoes. You get Winter too, huh? Uh we do get a little winter. yeah uh, sometimes
3: we get a lot of winter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm Jack Hodgson and I'm talking to you from the UCAP winter headquarters, uh, high atop snow covered lookout point in <laughs> in yeah, Chubb likes to say lookout. Tonight it'd be Lookout, here comes another blizzard, Nottingham, New Hampshire. Um it's uh Third time's a charm. They say we're going to have another blizzard. last two kind of petered, uh, fizzled, I guess you'd say, um, and dropped only a few inches of snow each. But it's looking like this is going to be a real one. And uh, overnight tonight we're going to get, I don't know. Let me load up a weather map. A foot of snow or something like that here. So, anyways. Load up a weather map. Jeb, you started out by saying, offline that is, you started off by saying that you have nothing to say about the weather tonight. I don't. No, I'm just while we're while we're doing while we're talking about weather, I'm going to load the forecast. For the forecast, right? Is it? Is it, I take it it's warm there now, huh? I I don't know.
0: Oh, no, here in, in no, Sarasota? no, where you are uh, here in Sarasota? Yeah. I, everything's relative jack i really have it is exactly say. relative um I, as i I, el- I have actually nothing to say on the topic
1: of weather as i alluded a moment ago uh i'm actually hitting the road in two days i've got a little chunk of time off here in the middle of the winter and so uh i'm heading south and i'm coming down to to uh, camp out with uh, i'm going to visit uh, jeb's home for a wayward airman and uh, and uh, hang out there for a couple weeks um so uh, hidden river boys camp and asylum. That's yeah, that's right.
0: Um, uh, uh, no, it's wayward pilots and wayler wayward pilots home and lonely hearts club.
1: They yep, all these fit. Yeah, all these are going to work just fine. But uh, it, everything is relative because the way I look at it is that you guys have been com- complaining about the cold. Um, all all season long so far and uh i'm going to be down there while you guys are complaining about the cold i'm going to be wearing you know t-shirts and short pants because it's going to be beautiful by my measure um i'm looking forward to it a lot so anyways we're looking forward to having you yeah thank you what's going on here i've gotten on the wrong page here let's see where's my list where's my list uh Uh, someone in the forums asked whether, we spoke a couple episodes a month ago, give or take, um, about, uh, what was it, Senator Inhofe, who, uh. Who? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, Had a little adventure uh, landing at an airport that, at least the runway. I don't know what the whole airport, but the runway he landed on wasn't really open, and he decided
0: to land anyway. Oh, you and,
3: mean the one with axes on it?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. And of course, of course, he said, "Well, you know, all the little, only the little people, you know, check noted him." <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. That's sort of what he said. And uh, yeah, right. So rather than being contrite and just sort of you know apologizing, he he took. I was going to say the high road, but that's not exactly right. He took a, a different road and, uh, and, and nearly said just what you described. Um, someone said, what's been the latest? Has there been any follow-up to this? Have we heard anything more about this? We were wondering whether there would be any enforcement action. There's not Is- going to be anything more about this. You don't think yeah. so? No, no, no.
0: It's going down the memory hole.
1: So wait, you think we won't hear about anything more, or there in fact will not be anything else? Choose,
0: choose I would. one or all.
1: you know. I say,
3: David? I know some guys at the FAA who would, you know, from the, the days when they were in a position to do something like that, would have not let it fly and would have paid for the rest of their career, but they would have not let it fly, and I just don't know these days. Uh, so much of the FAA got stacked up with airline people back in Marion Blakey's day, and so often we'd... See signs from them that they really don't know a hell of a lot about aviation overall. They knew something about running an airline, something specific, but uh, they they didn't seem really versed on the big picture stuff. And, you know, I expect this, like Jeb says, go down the rabbit hole and let there continue to be this Nimnal out there who's NOTAM deficient. Uh, flying into airspace with people who actually deem to pay attention. <laughs> okay,
0: well, I my, can't imagine. I, I can't imagine we have anything else to add to this. Topic.
1: I guess yeah, <laughs> we, 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 yeah, right. Okay, all right. What's next then? Uh, moving on. Um, so uh, our good friend Jeff Ward uh, posted this to our list. Uh, he uh, called our attention to an article from the. Uh, TampaBayOnline.com, TBO.com website, that talks about the fact that uh, that they've renumbered uh, some of the runways at uh, Tampa Airport, and uh, and of course this is a somewhat routine thing. I mean it doesn't happen every day, but it does happen. All the time, what where did they do count them, and they came up short one. Yeah, or? something like that. No, no. Of course, this has to do. This is not. I'm not. Uh, this has to do with the fact that magnetic north pole is moving all the time. And, oh, that number. And as a result, the airport, the, the uh, runway numbers um, will have to be updated from time to time. And so they've done this uh, recently at Tampa. And uh, Jeff thought that this story was interesting because he thought it kind of made it sound like. This only happened at Tampa, and this was kind of like a earth-shaking thing. And uh, um, and of course, it's not. Um, <laughs> and my question, the, the question that raises for me is makes me wonder. Um, so I understand why we do this. We do this because you need to kind of get the the runway designations in line with what the roughly what their magnetic headings are. Um, it, particularly, this is useful, I guess, to instrument pilots. Not so much to me, us, we VFR pilots. Although it's a little bit useful. Um, is there a safety issue around
0: changing these jobs? This is my question. I'm serious about this. No, for, for, let me, let's back up a second now. I I I, I kind of sort of disagree that it's it's not a not an issue for VFR only pilots. Okay, it's an yep. it should be an issue for all pilots.
1: Well, yeah, but okay, okay. And, and, go
0: ahead. And, and, and okay, what we're talking about here is um, the the variation at Tampa, Florida, specifically the TAP International Airport, has shifted sufficiently that it's. Um, within four uh, uh, degree of, mm-hmm, right. uh, of another number, or- right? Of another another ordinal number. So what they're going to do is change one eight and three six to one and one nine. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal, but what we are talking about here is a little bit of precision. And five degrees um, is is half of what they allow on the private written. We all should be able to do at least that. Yeah. So let's let's get it exact. Let's use correct information. Let's use the correct data, and let's do this professionally.
1: But given that there's a transition period where the uh, the the charts are changing and the approach plates are changing and all the records are changing, ha-
0: I take it this well, has never you know, been a problem. The way the way they're going to do this uh, is they're going to flick a switch. hmm And at a certain date and a certain time, and it's probably I think it's this Thursday actually. Uh like you know oh oh dark early in the morning, they're gonna flick a switch, and all the charting and all the documentation will one degree they they do this, they're very good at it, they know exactly how to do it mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal it, it's it's really not even a news story it's it's a factoid um but in the scheme of things, it's not all that important. I, I will, I will make the 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 joking observation that I I did a control F on this website web page, and I have yet to find the the, the uh, string Al Gore.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute, what's Al Gore got to do with this? It's exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. See, I'm just a I don't know. I'm just a sentimental old fool. All right, because. Um, well, as, as everybody knows, I learned how to fly and did a lot of my flying out of Palo Alto Airport, and, uh, the, uh, and the, the runway there was uh, 3012, and, uh, and just as I was leaving town, as I was moving to the East Coast, uh, they announced that they were updating the runway numbers, and it became uh, uh, 31. I don't know whatever it becomes in the other direction. One three, I guess, um, and uh, and it always bothered me because it was runway three zero. That was the primary no wind or you know runway. It was, it was my home. It was like It still was. It just got a new name. Uh, yeah, but, but see, I'm big on think yeah. this through though for a second. Think
3: yeah. this through for a second. You know
1: these
3: these magnetic north shifts occur. You know all the time. It's shifting a little bit every day actually, uh, but they. Yeah. They only get to the point where it needs to be dealt with, but it's back all the way through, the, you know, all the charts, all the plates, right? Uh, databases that go into navigation boxes. Uh, how stuff is portrayed uh, in relation to VOR bearings uh, that are on, you know, that are that are on the uh, navigation materials. All that stuff has to tie together, and. The uniform po- point is wherever magnetic north is, and then they give us a magnetic variation for true north, but then everything kind of gets named. Appropriately, and this is one of those things. It goes on all the time. So-
1: I, I know it goes on all the time. I I, 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 you know, it's just it's going to be a sad day for me, anyways, when the runway at Oshkosh is no longer nine two seven
0: and one eight three six, and it's just they might they might be able to come up with a uh, you know an exemption or something for that. Yeah, that's but, but our you know the, one of the air one of the runways at uh, my hometown airport in Georgia. Yeah, changed. Twenty years ago or so, it, uh-huh. it used to be nine two seven, and now it's ten two eight or whatever it is, um, something like that. Uh, they didn't change the north south runway; they didn't need to, um, right? And, and, and at a National Airport in DC, um, used to be one eight three six, and now it's one one nine. Yeah, I, I kind of missed the one eight three six at National. I think you know that that ha- that whole thing had a lot of significance. And mm-hmm. they done that, you know.
1: Yeah. See? So, okay. You kind of agree with me. You kind of agree with me. Another story we talked about, um, or another thing we talked about sometime in the last few episodes um, was, uh, you know, I forget what it was we were actually talking about, but we came to it because it was called to our attention by a listener who goes by the name... GA with L-plates, that's his name in our forums, and we were wondering what L-plates meant. And I heard from a whole bunch of listeners who, uh, who very, very graciously explained to me that L-plates uh, is, um, the listener is probably from Australia, or New Zealand I guess, um, and down there uh, when you are learning how to drive a car, you get learner plates, and they call them L-plates. Okay. And so uh, GA with L plates is his sort of uh, uh, backhanded way of saying, I'm learning how to fly. All right. Uh, so that's what GA with L plates means. It's, he says, I, about I my yeah, yeah, about my okay. username.
0: That's, that's just one of those little cultural things. Yeah. He, yeah. Just hasn't penetrated
1: yeah he's in New Zealand. Now, I, I know that's important to folks down there, so I'm going to get this right. In New Zealand uh, as well as having a suitably qualified driver with them. Learn dry, learning drivers have to have two six inch square bright yellow L plates, one on the front windscreen and one in the rear. So uh
3: well, all kind of things crossed my imagination before I read this. It was like, well it's uh it's it, it's a it, it's different than the blue plate special. Uh or uh it's uh, some kind of dental appliance. Uh
0: Auto tags I was, never never occurred to me. Never occurred to me either. The only thing I was I was even coming close to with was uh, that it was some kind of an end plate on the wingtips. I was like an L plate. Okay, oh, well, I can yeah, see okay. how I can see how that might, from certain angles, be described as that. But I've never heard it called that before.
1: No, nope, no, nope. it simply has it's it's a it's a uh, a reference to the fact that he's a student pilot, uh, and uh, well, well, so good for him. there we go. Uh, Off-field landing of the week Uh, I think we've got more than one, but here's one Um, This is from uh, uh, 8newsnow.com Channel 8 in uh, Las Vegas, I think Certainly Las Vegas area Lost lost wages Yeah, so uh, a A small plane flying to North Las Vegas airport ran out of gas And made an emergency landing on a busy street In northwest Las Vegas Oh man, I've flown that airport. That's a tight neighborhood. Now this man. is why I wanted to talk about this. I agree completely. Gee, yeah. yeah, the The few that times I've been up there, that's not a sparsely. That's a densely uh, populated yeah. area with a lot of traffic on those streets. And uh, well, it's uh, got some streets that are plenty wide enough. Uh, that you know,
3: exist right around the vicinity of, of Vegas North, but I can't say I'd want to try to put down on any of them between wires and poles. Yeah. And eight hundred million three hundred and seventy five thousand four hundred and twelve
0: cars. Yeah, exactly. If, if this if if this is a picture of the aircraft after the landing, which it apparently is, uh the guy did a perfect job. Dude. Yeah, yeah. He he's uh fine. he's fine. Um, shazam, dude. But but Dave's right, we've both been out of there, you know, at the same time, actually. Yeah. Um and uh, uh that's you know, that's not a good place to lose an engine.
1: No. No. The Piper Cherokee landed safely without any damage and was towed into the parking lot of a family dollar store. I don't know. That's, <laughs> somehow that's an image. I'd buy uh, that for a dollar. Yeah. Uh. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see now. The plane was o- registered to Brian Owen, but operated by John Bo- Barul. I guess it would be pronounced, uh, who was also listed as as o- owner on the FAA website he says uh, John Barule says after he radioed air traffic controllers his years of flying experience kicked in to avoid the many power lines light poles and surrounding businesses so uh, apparently they got a little banged up um, the reporters seemed to think that uh, he or she saw um, bruises but uh, and things on the uh, all, pilot all in and passengers all, it looks like a good job but yeah excellent job and uh, um, I actually, I actually wish I could. Uh, I'd like to track down uh, uh, Mike Flies from the uh, from the Mile High Flyers podcast, who lives, who flies out of North Las Vegas, and uh, and get a, a direct report on the neighborhood and how this all works. But uh, but that's uh, one of our off-field landings of the week. Uh, congratulations to John Burrell for getting it on the ground safely. I think that's Burrell, but Bur- Burrell, B-U-R-R-U-E-L. B-U-R-R-U-E-L, B-U-R-R-U-E-L, Burrell. Okay, Burrell, Burrell. What's next here? Let's see now. Uh, You know, I think you guys have talked with us about Dr. David Nichols in the past, and uh, um, I would like to leave it to one of you to talk a little bit more about him right now. Anybody want to jump on this? I'll I'll jump
0: in, and Dave, you know, feel free to correct or or rebut. Um, David Nichols was a a physician who lived uh, in northern Neck of Virginia, um, he had a family practice. Uh, He's 62 years old. Um, uh, died recently. Um, in and of itself, perhaps not all that remarkable. Uh, but David Nichols was also a pilot, and uh, uh, being a physician, he was always looking to try to expand his care. Uh, he picked up on the island of Tangier Island, which is in the uh, Tidewater area of Virginia. Um, it's it's an oldish uh, um, place, but it has a lot of tradition. Um, they don't have all that many amenities, um, but there's uh, you know a hearty group of people still kind of trying to live the frontier life in a lot of ways um, there within the shadow of, of Washington, D.C. Been there many times, uh, a lot of great restaurants on the island. Um, there's a runway and there's a dock. There's a, that's the only ways you can get to it, and guess which one I've chosen. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Dr. Nichols um, took an interest in the, in this community. And um, the GA hook here is that uh, he earned his pilot's license, and he ended up by, uh, operating an R-44 helicopter to get to and from the island once a week uh, with, without, fe- you know, weather permitting and, and everything else, but at least once a week he would get down there and try to, you know, provide care to these islanders. He died uh, this last week at 62, um, ironically, perhaps, uh, from cancer. Um, I didn't know the man. I've uh, heard about him before, um, but I, all all of that being well and good, the big thing I wanted to get around to here is is what he did and how he did it in using general aviation. Um, doesn't it, I, I haven't been able to find any information about how long he'd been doing this and uh, what other aircraft he might have operated to and from the island. But he owned the airplane, bought it, went flew the tr- flight training and um used it for this purpose uh, a great deal um and uh, it was just it was just an interesting story a good obviously uh, uh humanitarian type of uh, gesture on his part for a long period mm mm-hmm. yeah great david anything
1: to add to that uh only the uh
3: the uh the observation is this this gentleman was one of the lowest key below the radar humanitarians that I think you'd ever come across. Uh he got publicity now and then for the 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 kind of novelty of a flying doctor serving the people on this island. But the flying came after the doctor and the service to the people on the island to help the people on the island to make it easier for him to 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 do the work that he committed himself to. And that's what always impressed me most about this uh, a friend of mine knew him uh brought this to my attention before it hit the uh before it hit the wires and uh mentioned that i'd met him once at a function that we'd all been to and uh the guy just never i, re- I remembered it after a little while the guy never really seemed to have much uh Interest in talking about the flying as much as talking about uh the the people on the island and and uh it was it was no attention wanted, no attention accepted mm-hmm. and it's hard to get around that in 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 a day when so many things turn into you know big big deals with lots of publicity that doesn't really contribute anything,
1: yeah yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for telling us about him. So I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but recently uh, we were talking about uh, some folks that are building a replica of the Wright Flyer Model B. And I was wondering at that time whether the Model B was the airplane that I think of as being the 1908 Wright Flyer and uh and did a little research and discovered that uh that no the uh, model b was from 1910 was even a little bit after the 1908 the model uh a 1908 wright flyer was called the model a and uh so I just want to kind of clarify that for folks. Um, I do want to call your attention, though, to a really nice uh, series of web pages uh, put together by the uh, National Air and Space Museum um, about the Wright brothers and the, uh, the, the sort of whole history of of their work uh, developing these airplanes. It's a it's a really interesting uh, series of pages that uh, talk about the history of the planes and the history of the brothers and and uh, um, a little timeline and some pictures and. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. So, uh, so just to clarify that, that the the Model B that is the replica they're building was from 1910. In the 1908 Wright Flyer, which I would love to see one. Um, I think I saw one years and years and years ago in the Air and Space Museum, um, hanging from the ceiling. You
0: well know, they had they had a Wright Flyer in there at one point. I, I I don't. I presume it's still there.
1: Well, they they have what is presumably the Wright Flyer, um, the one from Kitty Hawk. Can we talk about this? I, I don't know. Did we? But uh, but the 1908
0: Wright Flyer is the one I want to see, and that's a different yeah. one. And, uh, there was a s- What's spat that? between the, the – the back in the 1900s, the, the 10s, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there was a spat between the Wright brothers and whoever was running the Smithsonian. At this time. There absolutely was. Yeah, it was a big deal. They, there was a, it was a really big deal, big political deal. And uh, my understanding – didn't we talk about this recently? My understanding was the original Wright Flyer is in Paris.
1: Uh,
3: the original, 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 the original was destroyed right after their fourth
1: flight when the wind. Well, no, it it was damaged. I don't know if it was
0: destroyed. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm I'm completely wrong. We should just drop this entire uh, segment. I was thinking about the spirit of St. Louis. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We did have that conversation.
1: Yeah. So, uh. I think actually the the whole subject of the uh the uh, the pushing and shoving between the Wright brothers and uh and the uh Smithsonian and the people who were leading the Smithsonian at the time is covered in these web pages that I I called attention to I'm skimming quickly here trying to find it but I'm oh, not yeah. finding it
3: there was the whole thing with Gilbert Grosvenor and uh uh Bell the telephone inventor and uh they they were who the they were the people the world was watching to succeed with each, you know, uh, successive blown experiment. They went on and tried something new and got lots of publicity. I think they sank at least one airplane in the Potomac
2: Hmm. uh,
3: when it didn't fly. Uh, And there was a lot of uh, uh, distaste for these bicycle peddlers from Ohio actually getting a patent and claiming Of all things, they'd done what these geniuses, Alexander Graham Bell and Gilbert Grosvenor, hadn't been able to do. How could they? Mm. It went downhill from there.
1: Yeah. So The B was 1910. That's my point. It was
3: 1910. That's that's your point.
1: So uh, sometime recently, let's see now, on Wednesday, December 29th, uh, American Airlines flight 2253 was apparently attempting to land at Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, airport, and things got nasty quickly, I guess, Uh, uh, and the airplane ended up running off the end of the runway, um, I think into snow, um, um, and uh, came to a stop, and then they got everybody off, and and I guess there were a few, if any, injuries and so forth. But the whole thing is kind of an interesting story here. Jeb, you're our safety guy. Do you have any insights into this whole thing? The two subjects that I wanted to talk about here today was there's one story going around about how um, American Airlines is getting its wrist slapped right now because they apparently grabbed up the uh, black box data um, in a way that's not considered kosher. And so they're kind of getting in a little bit of trouble there and then also uh one of the passengers on board shot some video out the window um of the landing um and then the overrun and we saw the the the, the runway markings passing by and we saw the uh, the the state of the wing so anyways that's that's sort of my half-assed uh, uh uh summary of this american airlines overrun issue um
0: does anybody know anything about this jeb have you looked at the ntsb stuff uh i haven't the only thing I know about this is is the press release that the, the NTSB issued on New Year's Eve, um, which discusses its long-standing protocols about transporting uh, CVRs and FDRs the flight data recorders uh, from the accident site uh, to Washington and to the NTSB's labs. And uh, just quoting from the press release here, safety board frequently asks the airline involved to transport the recorders. On their own aircraft, as such an arrangement often provides the most expeditious means of conveying the devices to, to safety board labs in Washington. Mm-hmm. The airline is instructed to transport the reco- the airline is instructed to transport the recorders without delay and without accessing the information contained within them by any means. This practice has worked efficiently and without complication for more than forty years. That's a, those two sentences are a direct quote from the press release. What? American did after this episode, though, is instead of routing the boxes directly to Washington as per 40 years of precedent, uh, American Airlines sent them to one of their uh, facilities in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the techni- quoting quoting the NTSB where American Airlines technicians downloaded information from the DFDR, CVR was not accessed. Guys, whiskey tango foxtrot. What in the world are you thinking about? This was just simply a runway overrun for one on one thing and B you don't do that. This someone should lose their job over this. Yeah. someone at American, you mean. Someone at American should lose their job over this. This if if you want to um undermine confidence in your company and in your airline and in its operations, this is a great place to start. This is just stupid and dumb and they should lose their job about it. Well, I take it from the the tone that that you're, you know, do you have here
1: that see my first thought when I heard this was that I wonder if maybe this inc- incident, whatever you want to call it, didn't rise to the level of giving the black boxes to the NTSB. That maybe American happen. Airlines innocently thought that they would just analyze them for their own internal purposes because the
0: NTSB didn't need them this time, is is that not realistic? It's not realistic because um, it's routine that after any event that is other than a normal day where you know the airplane can be used again, um, there's going to have to be a report to somebody. Right. Okay, but, and, and and the f- the next thing you do is pull all the all the uh, equipment, pull all the recording equipment, and replace it and, and send it where it's supposed to go. Um, yeah, I can see maybe someone made the innocent mistake of presuming that the NTSB didn't want this data and sending it somewhere else, but that's not the way this reads. Okay,
3: and it, it's difficult to conceive that in an operation as well established and uh, in, in its own history with the NTSB, is American Airlines, uh, that somebody could be in a position of making a decision like this who didn't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, in in worse situations, the damn things aren't let out of the sight of an NTSB staffer. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hand-carried. Well, they're supposed to be hand-carried anyway, I believe, except in this case... They trusted American Airlines. They were hand carried to Tulsa. Yeah, they were hand carried to Tulsa.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was the airplane damaged in this in, in this this thing? I don't believe there was much in the way of
3: damage to it.
0: Yeah. An initial yeah.
3: inspection. Yeah. Uh, according, yeah. to the NTSB,
0: according to the NTSB, an initial inspection did not reveal any structural damage to the aircraft. Um, Jack, I, I kind of sort of get your point uh-huh. that. Um, when this event occurred that American considered it an internal problem, not a, not a NTSB problem?
1: Yeah, that's what I wonder about. I'm not making I kinda, this...
0: I kind of get that. Um, I, I don't know much more, you know, I don't know any more about this episode than what's in the NTSB press release. And, you know, yeah, I'm sure there's another side to some of this.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: the, the upshot of all this is that the American got dropped as a party. To the investigation by right. the NTSB, which is kind of a serious uh, slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, it, it, just a dumb stunt. I'd like to know more about it, what their motivation was, where the decisions were made, things like that, what's routine for America. It, it's uh, just kind of yeah and when the ntsb decided it had an interest in the in this event I don't, I don't i'd like to know these those answers
2: yeah
1: now the other part of this story was uh this uh this passenger video um and the version of it i saw was uh, uh avweb did another one of their interesting uh little breakdowns of the whole thing and uh kind of run it over and over again and call our attention to interesting aspects of it and uh, did you see look at that video it's uh I did well, not. Which, what, which video again? It's the second link in the story list. There, um, it says uh, it says video, <laughs> seven fifty-seven over, <laughs> overrun video. Oh, um, how about that, it says video. Yeah, and it's
3: it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting little piece of video, but you got to know what you're looking for. Right, and that's why it's... For it, for it to make any sense.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's interesting that AvWeb uh, narrated it and kind of broke it down for us. Um, and there were things in there like uh, there were runway markings or uh, that you could see that indicated where they touched down and it being quite late, and uh, uh, there are uh, things about spoilers perhaps not being uh, deployed and thrust reversers not being completely deployed, possibly. Um, well, and it's,
0: All of that being I'm good, I can't tell anything looking out of an airline window, I don't, I, I, I don't Know that anybody else could either. Um, secondly, you know all these airplanes are certificated to land without thrust reversing use, so it doesn't matter if he wasn't using the thrust reverses. Well, if they land, and, and, but and there there might have been a very good operational reason not to use thrust reverses.
1: Oh, okay, all right. Well, it's an interesting video, and uh, um, people should take a look if they're interested, and uh, maybe we'll learn more about this as time goes on. Maybe I guess NTSB is looking into it, so we're going to get something from them eventually that's going to tell us what happened here. Well,
3: oh, yeah, there's, there's yeah. an accident docket coming, or an incident docket in this case. Not I, classic, I, will, an yeah.
0: accident. I will say, um, it, it, this is in keeping, the NTSB's action is in keeping with that Wall Street Journal article that was around here somewhere um, that was late last year where um, – Wall Street Journal ran this article quoting um, NTSB Debbie NTSB chairman Debbie Hersman as saying that they basically want access to the FAA's FOQA data, the FOQA program, the, the voluntary um, um, real-time, near-real-time monitoring of what's going on out there. One of the, the keys to the FOQA program is anonymity. Um, You're going to report a problem <clears throat> in in performance of the aircraft, the pilot, the ATC system, whichever. Um, there needs to be some anonymity involved here. And there's already too many players uh, who have, you know, their fingers in this little pie. Uh, now the NTSB wants access to this also. Um, I, all of this is kind of sort of, of a piece where the NTSB is trying to go for a little power grab here. Hmm. Yeah. Hurry up, people. We're losing the light. Gather around, gather around. Okay. This is the scene where the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. In this scene, their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the organizations they work with. So your motivation for this scene is anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. Of course, you knew that, right? Because it's in the script. Okay, places everybody. Lights. Quiet on set. Let's get it in this take this time. Camera rolling. Audio. Speed. And marker. UCAP disclaimer. Disclaimer. Scene 23, take 4.
2: And action.
0: Ain't it nice when there's more for them to talk about than YouTube videos? Welcome back to Uncontrolled Airspace.
1: Um, Jeb, you, ca- you called our attention um, to an article from The Atlantic. Uh, oh yeah. uh, the website is at theatlantic.com. Um, this is an article by uh, someone named Jeffrey Goldberg. The headline is Private Plane, Public Menace. And uh, the subhead is uh, Wealthy Travelers Routinely Bypass the TSA by Flying on Private Jets. How long until Al-Qaeda
0: does the same? Well, first time, first off, that's not true. It's a false statement. It's a false premise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know what aircraft he was on. He doesn't say. He just says it was. He was just kind of bragging that it's this, you know, private jet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now- well. Go ahead. Uh, just summarize this story. So apparently he went on a ro- he rode on a private plane, and yeah. He hitched, he, he hitched a ride.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, Je- Jeffrey Goldberg um, is a, a I'm going to call him a columnist for lack of a better word. He's not a journalist in any sense for the Atlantic magazine. He's got a blog. Uh, there are several people um, who have blogs at the Atlantic that are uh, uh, fairly well read, anyway. Goldberg one of them. He's another crank, though. He's he's one of these guys who um, um, by by uh, making fun of the elitists becomes one himself. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, putting putting all that aside, he basically critiques this. Uh, he hitched a ride on a on a private jet from Edinburgh to Dallas or something like that, and uh, was remarking about how how. There was no security, and it was, so, it was so much looser, and he could carry anything uh, aboard he wanted, and all this kind of nonsense. Um, it, it's, it's, just, it's just an uninformed, um, lazy uh, piece of, 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 I don't know, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't call it journalism, of, of entertainment maybe, but it's not factually correct and uh, that's that's where I have to get off and call you know call blowing snow on, yeah it.
1: now David, you late today called our attention to the fact that a fellow Atlantic uh columnist is has taken up the uh, challenge here and is going to try and set him straight you know it's interesting that this this drivel
3: from Mr. Goldberg uh comes under the uh heading of the same publication that employs uh uh James Fallows.
0: Well, James said.
3: Fallows is an actor Very, very academic,
0: well said.
3: Flies a Cirrus, uh, authored the book Preflight uh, a number of years ago, uh, which talked about uh, the startup of Cirrus, their attempt to change the safety culture, uh, the attempts to change the way we fly to uh, be more efficient, more personal. And then this garbage comes across. I've met James Fallows, sharp guy, knows his stuff, knows his topics. Aviation is by no means the only thing he writes about. Uh, tends to be damned well researched when he opens his mouth about anything. The, then you contrast this with Jeffrey Goldberg, who seems to have depended on all nothing more than emotional knee-jerk reaction, oh, my God, this made my ball shrink, paranoia at what he could imagine might happen, mm-hmm. with no real research and no basis in reality.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And the contrast coming under the heading of the same publication is just stunning. Uh, one of them really knows his business, and the other one really knows nothing
1: yeah now is Allo's gonna actually try and do something about this you, you You seem to indicate here that he has said he's gonna touch base with Goldberg and try and set him straight is that it's going he's going take him for a ride he's going to offer to take him for a ride and show
3: him how his impressions his imagination is incorrect mm-hmm. uh, and you and know it, it's the kind of thing that I see in letters to the editor from time to time who's it, it, it come, they come from the pens and typewriters and keyboards of stream-of-consciousness emotional reaction writers. And they get it down while they're hot, because an hour later, logic might kick in and destroy the whole premise. But it sounds so good now.
1: Yeah. So when, where did you get that? You said you got it from his blog? I, I'm trying to find his blog is what I'm getting at Yeah, here. it's...
0: it's um Real easy, Atlantic dot com. Yeah. I'm sorry, the Atlantic dot com. Yeah. Slash James hyphen Fallows, Okay. Uh, F a l l o w s. Okay. I'm looking I'm at looking that. At his, I'm looking at his blog right now. I don't see anything on this topic. Um, but I didn't mean a thing either. I just got there. So. Yeah.
1: I wonder if he has a more
0: personal blog. But anyways, we'll try and track uh, this, it down. This, we'll put, this, is, this is this is this is the one. His, his last aviation post. uh he might have tweeted something. I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I don't recall. Uh, have, have a Twitter lately? It's definitely the way to, you know, we all need to step up when we see these kinds of, you know, either you know this misinformation and try and correct well, Gold, it. And, Goldberg's just another hack out
0: there trying to make a buck. Yeah, but he's I,
1: got a voice. You know, we need this.
0: But he needs to be corrected.
1: Exactly. Really That's what I mean. Didn't, is, didn't, didn't NBAA write a you know a strong, strongly worded letter or something? I don't know. Did they?
3: Oh, NBAA did, uh, N-A-T-A did, A-O-P-A did. Uh, You you know what twists my sense of stupidity into high gear here is that Mr. Goldberg spends a fair amount of his little uh, attempt at journalism here discussing the, uh, the, the checks and balances that occurred when he left 15 minutes after leaving Manhattan, where he'd been on the Colbert report, you know, he's checking in at Signature Flight Support, where he's got to give his name and show an ID and uh, get escorted out to the airplane. But then he notices that there's no door that separates the cabin from the cockpit. Oh, my God. You mean you left me in proximity of the pilot? I may (laughs) stone him to death with shelled peanuts. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay all right i think we've made our point here let's move on uh let's see now oh another exciting incident in uh the district district of columbia this last week and as a result the uh the uh our, our friends down there got to use all kinds of the all the kinds of cop equipment that they had hanging around the uh, tsa um that was a that was a bad attempt at, at uh Referencing Alice's restaurant. Does Jeffrey Goldberg know about this? Yeah, I know. Anyway, so what happened? Let's see now. Where did this story go? Um, it was a some airliner, a passenger. It says a passenger plane briefly lost radio contact with air traffic controllers when the pilot turned tuned to the wrong. Actually, it says turned to the wrong frequency as he approached Washington. Um, uh, leading to the scrambling of fighter jets and the evacuation of the U.S. Capitol, federal officials said Saturday. Yeah, this is a head shaker, no question about it. Jeb, you're the one that's our former D.C. guy. Do you know anything about this? D- I did don't you- know. Go ahead. Yeah, that's uh, What you know, What do you not know, or what do you know? I, I
0: don't know much about it except that a, a scheduled... Um, this was a uh, Piedmont Airlines flight 4352, from Hilton Head to uh, National Airport. What was the type? It doesn't say. Uh, I haven't found it. De Havilland. Uh, probably, probably a Dash 8? Dash yeah. Okay. De Dash 8. It's a turboprop twin, 50 passengers, something like that. Um, they switched to the wrong frequency somewhere in, in, in close into D.C. we were without outside radio contact for a few moments. Um, well. and, and someone pushed the panic button and tried to evacuate the capital and all this nonsense and uh, the whole thing is just, just preposterous it um, is preposterous, but the part of it that strikes me as being
1: puzzling is the according to this story anyways um, he was out of radio contract for 15 minutes or about 15 minutes is what the story says and that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me I mean, you know, so he tuned the wrong frequency sense. that happens, um, He should have noticed it pretty quickly, you'd think. You know, I mean, he didn't get a response. Nobody talked back to him. You immediately go back to the first frequency. I mean, this is not a big deal normally to solve this kind of problem. Well, yeah, you're right. Yes and no. Yes and
3: no. Except... All right, wait a minute. David, go first. Well, if the mistaken frequency that you tuned in is an active frequency but the wrong frequency, you may not notice that you're getting called for a while because you're listening to all this other chatter. That's right, exactly. And then you don't get called for a while, and you call in and say, gee, did I miss a call? And they say, you're not supposed to be here. We're looking for you back on one something or other something or other.
0: Not not only that, but it's not the least bit uncommon for me to check in on the correct frequency repeatedly, you know, three or four times before I get a response from ATC. And I know damn good and well he can hear me. Yeah,
1: but and as you're flying around the country, you know, using the system, I, that makes I can understand that being the case. But when you're flying in this airspace in this day and age, I would think that you'd be, you know, if you didn't get well, a call back real fast,
0: you're gonna like go, what the heck's going on here? I, yeah, I, just, I, I would be a little bit more assertive in that airspace. Yeah, uh, that was. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying the pilots aren't blameless. The whole thing's is preposterous. You know, first of all, yeah, um, evacuating the capital. Secondly, losing comms in that airspace. That, that's just you know, the whole thing is just you know, come on, guys. I thought we were. I thought we were past all this. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know anything more about it than this. Um, um apparently, you know, all, all's well and end well. They could use the airplane again. So yeah, okay
3: that's why they put out that t-shirt careful i'm a dash eight pilot and i've got an attitude
1: really i've never heard of that one before <laughs> um let's see now i got uh, email i got email from uh, a listener named brian who also goes by the name of eagle pilot and uh, he called our attention to uh, a uh, an experimental aircraft that he came across called uh, uh he, he refers to it as a double ender um this is on the supercub.org website. And if you go and look there, there's uh, uh, some threads describing this thing and uh, some cool pictures of a really interesting-looking airplane. Um, it's a uh, uh, high-wing, um, and at first glance, it looks like, uh, it looks like a, a, a tractor prop above the, the fuselage in the front. But if you look more closely, you realize that there's also a pusher prop behind it. So there's actually two engines here um both of them above the wing um and then the fuselage below the wing um is mostly i won't call it glass but it's mostly clear whatever it is plexi or something like that um there's a shot in here that shows uh, from the position of the uh, <laughs> from the uh, uh, pilot's uh uh, point of view looking down beneath between his legs, you guys get that reference right that 's what that 's why i 'm giggling so, oh
0: yeah uh, <laughs> looking the grass between my legs can yes, look at the grass between
1: that. his legs in this case it 's the snow between his legs
0: Thank you Marion. Uh, thank
1: yes. you and um, uh cool visibility in this airplane i mean it 's just like helicopter like almost and uh, um, I it, just looks, think it looks fucking cold. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah, he's flying that's over what's probably like a glacier here, and like a glacier, uh, yeah. you know, he's got big honking balloon tires. Uh, oh, yeah, very, it's a
0: cool little airplane.
1: Yeah. So, uh, um, let's see what's it's it an real,
3: interesting wing on that. That's not exactly the standard Super Cub wing. Is yeah. It? No, uh, well, that's, what's interesting a fat about that
0: wing? Uh huh yeah so it's got well, a pair a fat wing it's got a Probably pair of thirty pounds issues
1: yeah a pair of rotax nine fourteens and uh there's a bunch of specs here it's it's just an interesting airplane um I just think the visibility <laughs> oh, i look at it the side shot
3: where does that
0: come from? oh man I've seen that somewhere yeah yeah i mean it's it looks fairly um familiar. Yeah, there was a plane I think
1: a plane that I've seen at Sun and fun for the last couple of years um, that was uh, gray almost primer gray um, and yeah, uh,
3: except I think it was a pusher
1: yeah and it, it wasn't you're right the one I'm remembering from Sun and fun was not this twin configuration um, but this it is was a certain
0: I, don't, I don't I don't it's see the going. other engine on this
1: yeah it it's the shots are just kind of awkwardly p- placed because but if you look closely you can see a p- propeller blade uh coming down on the uh and uh
0: That's an antenna, a tree or a propeller blade.
1: I I believe it's a propeller blade. Um and the spec higher up in the story under the text uh describes two engines and uh
3: Speaking of snow and airplanes. Yeah. Annie and I spent about 3 hours last night watching a national geographic series yeah, yeah. on alaskan bush pilots that was just a blast
1: yeah this is yet another one what's this one called i think i saw an ad for this one just today or recently what's it called it's alaska alaska wingman i think it was something like that yeah something like that
3: uh you'd think after watching three episodes back to back to back that i'd remember that but it was not what i expected i was expecting this series it's on one of the other channels uh, about era airlines
1: right that and, and that one doesn't start till later this week that one premieres on friday i'm looking forward to that but uh. this
3: this was all over the state all sorts of different ops air uh air ambulance work uh charter work helicopter utility lifting uh back and forth across the state out into the Aleutians. uh mm-hmm. One of the guys was flying a just gorgeous Grumman Duck, and mm-hmm. I just don't see those mother duckers very often
1: anymore. <laughs> Have you noticed how many uh, reality series there are these days based in Alaska? It's like, you know, American yeah. television has discovered Alaska recently. I think I think that I think that Governor Palin ought to be given an award by the Alaska Chamber of Commerce or something like that because
3: well, she might be, but she's. Not being given
1: renewal. Well, that's a whole other thing. I, we won't get into that. I, it's so, uh, But there are a lot of uh, this is There's this is a gold mining series. There's the uh, aviation show you saw last night. There's the aviation show that starts next week. There's Ice Road Truckers. Ice Road there's.
3: Truckers is a hood.
1: Yeah, there's just a whole bunch of Alaska things these days. Man,
3: state State Troopers. Yeah. Sometimes it involves airplanes.
1: Yeah. Listeners, there must be some listeners from Alaska. We got. I, I want to hear from listeners who are based in Alaska. I want to hear more about this. I want to. I want some real stories about flying in Alaska. That's what I want. Uh, we should talk to James. James has been up there flying a number of different times. Have you guys been to Alaska flying? Well, David, that's right. You did the whole thing, right? Um, you
3: been a you, week up there covering an oil spill cleanup that involved right. a lot of GI flying.
1: Did you get to be a pilot in command at any point during that week?
3: Not a damn thing. Yeah. No, okay. Not for a moment.
1: So, uh, how about you, uh, Jeb? Have you been flying in Alaska?
0: I, I've done a. Uh, I've ridden around Alaska a good bit, and I either either a Super Cub on straight floats or a Cessna One Eighty on straight floats. Oh, really? Um, and uh, I've gotten some right seat time in a One Eighty. Uh, you know, done takeoffs and landings with it, and everything like that. That was a, a while before I got the C plan rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but. Um, it, you know, kind of got the intro to seaplanes at, at that point in that time and, and did okay at it, if I, if I may, may say so myself. It, yeah. it, it was, it, it, a Cessna 180 on floats is a relatively easy airplane to fly. It's got good power, uh, handles well, and it's predictable.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Uh, I desperately wanted to get a little hand time of uh, a uh, Davelin Beaver on floats that took me out to a couple of spots one day. Uh, but weight balance and gear-wise, I was too skinny to sit up front. Oh well, actually, somebody else was not skinny enough to sit in back, so I wound up in back all the time. But it was a hoot. Landed on, uh, uh, landed on the on the sound the float planes, taxiing in among all these boulders, and the bush pilot knew exactly where all the boulder was, zigzagging over still water like he could see underneath. And later I found out it was because
1: he could see underneath. <laughs> he probably had a window there, right, at his feet or something like that, yeah. All right. Shoutouts. Let's see now. i got a whole bunch of shoutouts on the list here. Um, I'm going to do one first. Let's see. First of all... Uh, will hawkins that's what i want to talk about will hawkins sent us so so uh i a month and a half ago or so all right i bought myself this ar drone uh remote control uh helicopter and i've been talking about it off and on and apparently we should like get them as a sponsor or something to the podcast because it appears that i've triggered the purchase of a whole bunch of these ar drones um one of whom is will hawkins got himself one of these ar drones and uh he sent us a oh, link
0: time out of sec. time out a sec. Are you bringing this to In River? I am bringing it. In, yeah, oh. I remember I could say. That, that is the correct answer. <laughs> yeah
1: no it's coming it's coming it's sitting there waiting by the door to get packed in the car um, so uh, Will got himself one of these and Will being the video guy he uh, had to uh, experiment uh, uh, deeply with the uh, video capabilities and he found a uh, an app that would let you actually record the video from these onboard cameras and then took it out into his backyard and did some at least as far as the AR drone is concerned extreme flying and uh, he was like flying it all over his backyard and uh um, the it's thing that I found that's
3: just, just spooky, yeah, th- it's
1: spooky, yeah, and that cool that's, that's very cool, yeah, and uh, if you go later in the video, um, he actually got it really up high, like higher than the house, I think, all right, and he's kind of looking down. What um,
2: is
0: he using for video?
1: Uh, there's a there's an uh, there's a uh, iPhone or an iOS and iPod Touch uh, app that will record will capture the video that's coming oh, out of the device.
0: There, there's video built into the you know, the helicopter. Oh yeah, there's actually two oh, video dude, cameras. Bring, bring this to Daddy. <laughs> daddy wants this. Daddy wants <laughs> yeah.
1: No, there's two video cameras in it. There's one that's facing forward and there's I'll, one that's I'll facing like down. That
3: landing at the end of that little video loop. Yeah, yeah. Oops,
1: it, yeah, oops, it. it ended up upside down on its back. So uh, he shot some fun video here. Uh, uh, we'll, uh, so that is cool. Bring, bring that to Papa. I will. I will. Uh, he put this on his uh, YouTube uh, feed. Uh, uh, for some strange reason, uh, uh, Will Hawkins' video uh, 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 YouTube channel, um, his YouTube username is Shagswell. Now, we actually know
2: this.
1: (laughs) This is not news, all right? We actually discovered this a long, long time ago when we first met Will. We were kind of giggling at the fact that Shagswell was his name. Um, So if you go to YouTube user Shagswell, uh, you will, it's like youtube.com slash user slash Shagswell. You will... uh, Oh, behave. That's
0: a a great name for a male dog.
1: (laughs) yeah
3: okay um I like the attitude indicator and the d g that show up on here yeah
1: yeah that's that's cool as well one of the things you can do with this uh this video capture uh app will also let you disable the altitude limiter. So as a result, if you got the altitude limiter on, which is on by default, you can only go so high, and it starts fighting you. It says, "I don't want to go any higher than that." I don't want to. I don't want.
3: When it goes so high, it
2: loses right. its.
1: But, but this, but this video app that Will was using lets you disable that, and so as a result, you can do what he did, which is get way up high. What rocket surgeon put an
0: altitude limitation on this thing?
1: Well, it, it all has to do with the inertial, con- with the automatic uh, stabilization so that it makes it easier to fly. Um, but they let you turn it off so you can go crazy if you want. Um,
3: well, it, that's a good deal because when you're a novice and you're just learning to use it, the stabilization delays how long it'll take you to permanently damage it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've hit, I've crashed mine pretty good a couple times, and it's still doing okay. So uh, it's it's pretty durable. We'll Put the auto stability on, right? It, uh, no, well, yeah. Well, one time I forced it to go. I, I had the, well, the auto stability was on. Um, what Will did was he left the auto stability on, but disabled the altitude limiter. Um, and uh, I had the altitude limiter on, and I forced it to go as high as it would go, and sort of lost control of it and smashed into a tree, and then came tumbling to the ground. Um, but. Anyways, did not he capture
3: the docket for the NTSB review.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, so uh, Will Hawkins been flying his AR drone, and that's kind of fun. We'll put a link to that in the uh, in the show notes, or you can try and track down that, that Shagswell.
0: Is, that, that is cool. Yeah, well
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: what else here? You guys got one, David? You yeah, said you had one. She wanted to come back from Oz. Yeah, Jeb, you go first.
0: No, David.
3: Place
1: like drone. Yeah, but he's he's babbling. He loses he loses his turn. You go first, Jeb. Okay. Uh,
0: I've talked uh, previously, you know, I'm going put my teeth back in. Okay. I've talked in previous episodes about one of my neighbors uh, here at the, quote, residential air park, unquote, who uh, earlier this year bought her a, bought her a 172, an older 172. Uh, my buddy Lee uh, uh, worked on it for, uh, got it airworthy and all this kind of thing. I've flown it. Uh, actually won, you know, the, the, the uh, spotlight contest a couple of months ago in it. Um, she bought the airplane in like May or, or April, I'm sorry, March or April of this year. Uh, had had, you know, maybe 10 hours in the backseat of a champ or something like that. No real um, experience before this. But living in an air, uh, at a residential airport, she decided that you know, she wanted to do this. Bought the airplane, uh, started getting instructions. She had a goal of getting a private certificate by the end of 2010. Mm-hmm. At about ten thirty, at about ten thirty on the morning of December thirty first, she taxied out, took a private pilot check ride, was successful, and made her goal. All right, <laughs> this that's is, this is yeah. This is Katie uh, Caron, one of the one of the neighbors here. Um, uh, hats off to That's awesome. Yeah, that's terrific. Job. She was was uh, um, I talked to the examiner afterwards. Said no, no issues. Um, Doing crosswinds here at Hidden River, the whole thing, and um, it, it was a really good lick. Uh, she deserves a, a great deal of credit, a great deal of uh, of appreciation, and uh, it, it's it's great to be able to tell a story about uh, someone with with the dedication and the. And of course, there's some resources, but um, wasn't all that expensive, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she took the time to do it right. Um, you know, did the riddance and everything else, and uh, is going to be a good pilot. And uh, it's just great to see.
2: Yeah,
1: that's great. Congratulations, Katie. Uh, I'll tell her yeah, congratulations oh, cool. in person in a couple of days. That'll, that's terrific. That's terrific. Uh, let's see. Now, I've got one here. we got a, a, a posting in the forums from uh, listener ATC Ben, uh, who is uh, proposing – so there's a, a – I'm going to sound ignorant here because I am ignorant, all right? So please forgive me in advance, all right? The Australian International Air Show is coming up again in uh, at Avalon Airport in Australia, someplace. The problem is this posting doesn't give any more specifics about where Avalon, but, you know, Australia's not a very big place, so I'm sure that you guys... Uh,
2: Australia is actually, <laughs> quite,
0: actually, Australia is actually quite, quite, you know, quite the... Uh, 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 going into T, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know where Avalon, Australia is. I'm about to Google it off. Yeah. Google. So if you can figure out where the Avalon Airport is, um,
1: but uh, so. Uh, th- it's come, apparently from, according to this posting, it's coming up in a little over two months, the biannual Australian International Air Show. And uh, uh, the, obviously, a lot of aviation fans are going to be uh, gathering there. And uh, this has been the site in the past, I guess apparently two years ago, of uh, of a, a UCAP meetup. All right, and UCAP listeners got together down there and, uh, and uh, had a little meetup down there. So... Uh, um, as a matter of fact, uh, I believe that was the meetup that turned into the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, what do they call it? Playing crazy down under uh, podcast uh, got started as a result of that meetup, if I'm not cor- uh, not mistaken. So, anyways, they're going to do it again, and uh, they're proposing another UCap meetup at Avalon 2011. And uh, ATC Ben just wanted to call attention to that. Um, I'm going to try and figure out. How, you can certainly go into the forums and go to a posting, a thread by the name of Avalon 2011 Meetup, and get some information there. And uh, and we'll also kind of uh, put some more stuff in the podcast as we learn more about this. But if you're going to be at the Avalon or the Australian International Air Show at Avalon Airport, uh, you might want to get together with some other UCap listeners down there.
0: Jeb, any luck? There's an Avalon air. There's an AvalonAirport.com.au website uh, that actually has a map Uh of of the relative location of the uh, Avalon Airport. It's at basically uh, uh, the southern uh, tip, uh, not not exactly at the southern tip, but close to the southern tip of Australia. Mm -hmm. It looks like um, an interesting uh, location. It's a well-done website. I I won't make it. I (laughs) I know. Oh, well. No offense. I would love to be there if I was in Australia, and I'd love to go to Australia. It's not happening this month.
3: Well, and for those that uh, can picture this in their brain, that that mental map of Australia, uh, Avalon Airport is one of four airports that uh, kind of circle the melbourne australia area so melbourne's the big city nearby uh and avalon 2011 the australian international air show and aerospace and defense exposition that's march one through six i wish i could be there it sounds like great fun and it'd be nice to see where fosters comes from (laughs) yeah there you go there you go david you said you had a shout out what was it I got a shout-out. I got a shout-out. This is going to take about a minute. Okay. This guy has spent all, more than two-thirds of his life in aviation. In Sixty-two. He started as a line boy at Washington, Virginia Airport, which was at Bailey's Crossroads, Virginia. Now, Jeb will know this. That there's now a big high-rise complex at Bailey's Crossroads. Yes, there No is. Washington, Virginia Airport. Uh, he started working in '63 at the postal air Mayor, Mayor mail facility at Washington National. He was a letter carrier in Alexandria. Then he got a job with this outfit that, relatively young at the time, outfit called the Federal Aviation Administration as a controller in Washington Center. Uh that was 1969. This young man went all over the place after that. Uh he was a safety and maintenance officer at uh, the Leesburg Flyer Club. Uh he did management jobs for FAA, he got a seaplane rating at Jack Brown. He helped write he was principal author of Far Part 103 in 1981-82. Uh, went on to the NTSB as a special assistant to Joe Nall, the late Joe Nall, and survived the fatal plane crash that killed Joe. Went back to the FAA in 90 and spent another 21 years there working his way up to the uh, FAA Task Force for Public Concerns. Did accident investigation And the last few years Was a uh, pilot for the FAA His last flight actually Was on New Year's Day in November 2 Ken pa- Ken Papard. Uh, I can't say enough about you Young man uh, Congratulations on your retirement This oh. is the shout out For all your time 43 years and 5 months In federal service This Barely scratches the surface to do justice to what you've done for aviation.
2: Enjoy your e- my
0: friend. I, I would echo every every syllable. Um, I, I've had the, the the great pleasure to meet Ken through uh, David, and uh, don't know him nearly as well as Dave, but uh, uh, have a great deal of respect for him. I'm 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 very mixed emotions. First of all, I'm very happy for him. He certainly earned it. He deserves it, and uh, he's done everything. Uh, uh, correctly along the way. The flip side of which is uh, we need more of him at the FAA. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's a loss to to certainly the community but certainly to the agency also. That's great.
3: Yeah. We used to take such delay in seeing one another at Oshkosh until he started flying for the FAA and then because of the way the jobs fit out there he wound up flying the administrator to Oshkosh for the meetup when the administrator of the meet-the-boss sessions. Right. But he never got to stay any longer than the administrator, which oh, yeah. meant that he showed up in the morning and flew back in the afternoon. Yeah. He said what he liked best about it was that he got to spend time flying a Gulfstream.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thank you for telling us about that. That's terrific. Um, one of the reasons that I'm going to Florida is, is to attend the uh, Sebring Expo, the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, which is next week, January 20 through 23, at oh Sebring no. Regional Airport in Florida. And uh, um, I'm hoping that maybe next week, which will be just a couple of days before the expo, but we might be able to get uh, Dan Johnson on here to uh, tell us what's what and what's going on. Um, if not, um, then maybe we can pin him down uh, on the ground sometime while we're out there and talk with him a little bit. But uh, um, I'm going down to attend uh, the Sport uh, Aviation Expo, uh, and I believe, Jeb, you're, you're, you're uh, yeah, I'll, somewhat I'll, yeah, willing to go over at some yeah, point. Yeah,
0: I, I didn't know it was that quickly, uh, that, I'm sorry, that soon. Um, I will make arrangements to be there, at least, yeah. you know, at least we'll do a day trip over there or something. Yeah, and
1: um, what I'm getting at here is that uh, I want to have a little impromptu uh, UCAP meetup while we're over there. So uh, I'm just kind of putting out the word to kind of pay attention if you're at all interested, if you're going to be at at Sebring or if you're nearby and want to come by. um, At some time in the next few days, I hope, I'm going to announce which evening we're talking about here. And what we're going to do is we're going to name a uh, restaurant and or watering hole that uh, that Jeb and I are going to be hanging out at for the evening. And uh, we're going to invite everybody to come on by and say hi. Um, and uh, I don't know exactly which night that's going to be. Um, it will probably be you know, either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night uh, next week, and the 20th, 21st, or 22nd, and uh, we'll, we'll name a place when, when I can figure out what the place might be because I don't know the area very well. So uh, we're trying to put together a Sebring Meetup. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, check the forums. Check the uh, website. Uh, check the probably the next episode of this podcast. We'll have some information about it as well. So that's the Sebring Meetup. Anything else? Any other, uh, any other shout-outs? If you stick me with a fork, I'll squeal. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for getting together. Uh, sorry we didn't make it last week, but uh, I'm glad we finally managed to uh, get, gather again here in the virtual hangar. Dave Higdon uh, is uh, an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet?
3: Oh, avbuyer.com, aea.net, aviation safety something or other, something or other, something or other. Uh, Daveigden.biz, or you know, roll the dice, do a Google, but don't bet on black twenty-three.
1: And Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb,
0: where can people find you on the internet? On the internet. AviationSafetyMagazine.com is a good place to start, uh, JEBurnside.com if you want to look at a you know, an outdated first-generation website. Um, sometimes I pop up on AEA.net, sometimes also on avweb.com.
1: And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at JackHodgson.com and AroundTheField.net. Thanks to Jeff Ward for for suggesting stories for us to talk about and also for creating our excellent show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan and Royce Earle and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips and the other audio bits that we drop in the podcast from time to time. We're also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings, web page of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, did you have something you wanted to say? Well, there's only one way to get to be as old as Jeb and me. Go
3: fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Happy 2011. Log
1: lots. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
0: He had me at and me. He am
3: Hey, UCAP gang. I thought you could use a little <laughs> stocking stuffer, so I made you <laughs> a compilation of stallhorn bleeps with Jeb and Dave. Dialogue in mind. These were recorded on a Cessna 150, November or 1 uniform. Happy <laughs> holidays, and I hope you found some <laughs> under your tree this year.